Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Sidekick Critic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Crosby, and I am delighted to be here with you for this episode of this film and entertainment industry podcast. As I mentioned last time, I've seen a lot of movies in my month-long hiatus from recording and posting, so I'm just ready to talk about all of them. I have three movies to talk about with you on this part two of my recent movie reviews. I'm going to go right into this. It's why bother waiting around. Let's go. Uh, The first movie I want to talk about here is Sisu. My one minute review for Sisu is going to be this movie is surprisingly good. It really caught me off guard. It's think John Wick, but in World War II Finland. Uh, Truly just a very good time watching this movie, especially as a fan of action movies. I had a blast. It was a unique and interesting story. I This isn't a movie that blew me away. This isn't my favorite movie of the year. Uh, it's well made. It's well acted. It tells a good story. That's all you can really ask for out of a movie sometimes. And this delivered on all those fronts. i very happy I saw this in theaters. I feel like as an A-list member, this is a movie I would have been sad that I didn't see in theaters. If you're not an A-list member, I think this is a great movie to even pay to rent at home because it is a lot of fun. With the advent of streaming services everywhere, you'll be able to watch it whenever you want, but 7.1 out of 10 for Sisu for me. Uh, I love movies where you get to see Nazis be killed, so very enjoyable. Um, like I said, it's fun is a great way to describe this movie. Uh, unlike Renfield, a recent movie I talked about in part one there, Uh, This had great action sequences, and while there was a decent amount of gore and violence and blood, it was a level that was acceptable for me, it was reasonable, and it made sense within the movie and the story. It didn't reach a level of absurdity that really took me out of it at all. Whereas something like John Wick, uh, I'm actually going to touch on a subject here that I've danced around talking about a lot, the expectation of realism in movies and just expectations in movies. I had multiple people who told me they didn't like John Wick Chapter 4 because it wasn't realistic. And to that, I'd say it's not meant to be realistic. You're watching a movie about a secret society of assassins. You have to temper your expectations of realism there. They're wearing suits that are bulletproof. So yeah, John Wick's going to fall out of the third story window, hit a van, get up and walk it off and get hit by three more cars and continue to run upstairs. It's You can't always expect movies to be realistic. I had someone once tell me they didn't like Inception, a great Christopher Nolan film because it wasn't realistic. It's realism, especially is an expectation that I think you have to check out, check at the door for movies, especially if it's not a movie based on a true story it's you can't be disappointed in movies it's not realistic sometimes movies has to have to go outside the bounds of reality to have the movie work to have the plot be wrapped up and make sense uh in sisu there's a scene where he hangs on to a flying plane with a pickaxe is it realistic no is it enjoyable and good content and interesting yes and that's what matters a lot of the time that it has to be interesting and good 
and realism is just one aspect of expectations with movies. I don't struggle with the realism aspect personally because for almost all movies, I check realism at the door. I don't bring that with me. How could I be a giant fan of Marvel movies if I was expecting them to be very real? I couldn't be. I, I just wouldn't work for me. So that's why I had to start checking that realism. And what started with checking it solely for superhero movies has become almost every movie. I know things are going to happen that are unrealistic. I know a scene where it seems like someone drives across the country in a day because they're not really relaying the time frame well. That's not realistic, but that's fine because it's just telling a story. I can look past that very easily. Where I struggle is leaving my own expectations at the door. Uh, As I talked about with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium, and as I talked about with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, both those movies I went into with incredibly high expectations. I think if I take my expectations out of it, I enjoyed Ant-Man a lot more than I think I did. Versus those high expectations for Guardians of the Galaxy, it met those expectations. It exceeded them even of my wildest dreams. So that movie catapults to what is now my favorite movie of the year because of my expectations. It surpassing them is really a hard feat, especially when it comes to the MCU being a diehard Marvel fan. I, I think it's a really tough thing to grapple with and know and be able to recognize that your expectations play a heavy part in what you get out of a movie. Especially with trailers, you might go in expecting one thing and get something else entirely. Where the Covenant, I expected the plot to go a certain way, but it took a turn, it was paced very differently. The majority of the movie was about what I thought would be the preamble of the movie, what would be maybe the first third. Two-thirds of the movie were about this aspect of it. I ended up really enjoying that. I was able to quickly, I recognized that I'd expected this to be something different. I was able to say, okay, let me put that aside and let me just sit here and enjoy this movie and the story it's telling. It's a very hard skill to be aware of and a thought process to recognize when you're doing it. So... For me, it's taken years and so many movies. I think I've seen 25 movies this year alone, and we're at the beginning of May. So it's taken a lot of time to be able to temper expectations, and I'm always going to have them going into the movie. What really needs to be done is to be able to turn those off once the movie starts and say, I expect ABC to happen. I'm going to forget about ABC, and I'm going to let XYZ happen. Just turn that off. And then... When the movie ends, think about XYZ. Think about what happened in the film and what it means, the themes, the story, the plot devices, all of that. Afterwards, take a look at ABC and say, okay, how did all of these compare? Were there still elements of ABC rolled into XYZ? Because then that's meeting my expectations in a different way. So it's something I wanted to talk about for a while especially because I get a lot of people telling me I didn't like this movie because it wasn't realistic. I don't think you go to movies for them to be realistic. I think if you want something to be realistic, watch a documentary, uh, read a nonfiction book, um, watch the news. It's Movies are meant to be dramatic. They're meant to tell a story. Even historical movies, 99% of the time, they are dramatized versions of the events that happened. 
They are not, this is a true story. They are, this is based on a true story. It's very rare that a movie gets all of the history right exactly. Look at The Women King from last year. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was a great movie, but so many people hated it because this African tribe they presented to be heroes against uh, slavery and stopping people from getting enslaved in Africa. In reality, that tribe contributed to the slave trade. And from warring tribes, they would give them their prisoners. That's... For me, that's not enough to ruin a movie. Is it historically inaccurate? Yes. But that doesn't mean the movie's bad. That doesn't mean the story's bad. That just means, hey, for the sake of this movie, we need this tribe to be more of a protagonist. They're not a protagonist if they're taking part in enabling the slave trade. They're a protagonist if their main goal and plot in this movie is they're against the slave trade and fighting it. That's fine. You have to check that realism at the door. It's going to be unrealistic. Someone breaking their collarbone and being able to fight? No. 99% of humans, if you break your collarbone, you're down for the count. You can't do anything. In a movie, fine. It's relaying... There's only so much you can relay the pain and the strength people have to fight through things. And sometimes you have to go to unrealistic levels to be able to relay that when... They can't just exposition dump on you. I'm in pain. My life is hard right now. I've taken some injuries. I'm going to continue fighting because I need to. No, you're going to show them breaking their collarbone and you're going to show them grunting and crying through physical pain and then overcoming that. So checking expectations of realism at the door is always crucial, in my opinion, to being able to really enjoy a movie. This is quite the tangent for a uh, World War II Finland movie about a man in the Finnish wild killing a bunch of Nazis, I will say. Um, Like I said, 7.1 out of 10 for Sisu. I did enjoy this movie quite a bit. Okay, so following Sisu, uh, this next movie I want to talk about is a dramatized history movie. Uh, My one-minute review for Air is going to be for a movie telling a story about a something I know. I know what the outcome's going to be. This was so intriguing, so interesting. I had such a good time sitting in the theater and watching this film. Uh, it stars Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Jason Bateman, Viola Davis, Chris Tucker. Star-studded cast directed by Ben Affleck. I truly loved this movie. It's, I, I have a thing for these dramatized histories, and I just eat them up and this is no different it's really telling when someone can take a story a more modern story where you know how it ends and make it intriguing and have you invested in it and air did just that uh this movie got a 7.4 out of 10 for me absolutely worth watching when it becomes available for you to watch at home as i know most of you aren't going to theaters as often as i am if you're one of my listeners with the A-list membership, go see Air. It's worth seeing. So let's t- touch on a couple points I talked about in my one-minute review there. Uh, first, the style movie, A Dramatized History. Uh, some similar movies to that are The Founder, the story of um, McDonald's empire and how it was born. Uh, Vice, the story of Vice President Dick Cheney. The Big Short, the story of the uh, financial collapse in 2008. 
all these movies have this in common where they are telling you the events of a true thing in the business or political world or a mix of both where you know what happens. You know how it ends out. In Air, you know Nike struggling at the time, Nike basketball specifically, becomes massively successful, becomes the name brand in basketball. You know they're going to sign Michael Jordan and you know Air Jordan is going to be massively successful. Despite knowing all of that without a doubt, this movie had me so heavily invested in the story. I was invested in the characters of Sonny Vaccaro, Rob Strasser, Dolores, Jordan. All of them, them being Matt Damon, Jason Bateman, Viola Davis respectively, put in outstanding performances in this movie. Matt Damon has a speech at one point that it's a great speech. It's I I don't expect him to get an Academy Award nomination, but I could see maybe a Teen Choice Award nomination or a Critics' Choice Award or a SAG because I think speeches like that in movies are good. And like he says, it's just a shoe until someone steps into it. In this movie, it's just a role until someone plays it. It's just a speech until someone says it. And Matt Damon really shows up for this movie. Um, 7.4 out of 10 is putting it in the middle of the pack so far this year, but in the upper half of that middle. Uh, I will 100% rewatch this. Movies like this, like The Founder, or to a lesser extent, Draft Day. Draft Day is not real. There's no basis in it, but there's basis in the fact that that's what a Draft Day is supposed to look like at an NFL organization. These movies are comfort movies for me. I'm able to put them on. I know where the story's going. I know it's low stakes, and I could sit there and watch and enjoy it. One thing I will say, this movie is way funnier and more quirky than I expected. I expected this just to be telling a story, a more a serious story in the world of business, but it had so much humor in it and some very wry and dry humor that really does it for me, so I had a blast. Uh, it was directed by Ben Affleck. This was one of my favorite movies he's directed. I know he's directed some really highly critically acclaimed films, but this was just so much fun for me. I really, really had a blast watching it, and I... Hope other people go and see it. I, If you can't see it in theaters, watch it at home because this is a fun story. It's an aspect of the Air Jordan story you don't hear about a lot. You don't hear about Air Jordan before there was Air Jordan. You hear about how massive a success it became, but the inception of how this brand was born, how Jordan ended up signing with Nike at a time when Nike basketball was almost decrepit and dead. Uh, Sonny Vaccaro and Rob Strass are able to turn it around and they did a great job there. And now it's made Michael Jordan a billionaire, not just iconic as a basketball player, but iconic as a businessman. He continues to earn millions of dollars every year off of this deal that the movie's about. And it completely blew Adidas and Converse out of the water in terms of the basketball industry. Fantastic. I, I thought it was pretty clear Ben Affleck did a great job directing this movie. Um, I know I've seen people talk about how he needs to step away from directing and acting in the same movie. I think he did a great job as Phil Knight. He was very funny. He brought that Phil Knight quirkiness to it. Uh, fantastic. When you look at this movie by the numbers, uh, I think it tells a pretty interesting story. $14 million opening, $81 million worldwide so far. That's pretty good. I think that's actually very good for what the movie is, for a story that people know. 
I think this movie will do great on a streamer eventually. I think it's going to get huge streaming numbers because you're combining multiple things that people love. Matt Damon, Jason Bateman, Ben Affleck, the story of Michael Jordan, the story of Nike. It's I think $81 million is l- low for terms of how this movie is going to be looked at two, five, ten years down the line. I think it's going to be looked at very fondly. I think it'll age great for Ben Affleck as a director. Comparatively to his previous movies financially, it's not as much of a success. Mainly I'm looking at The Town in Argo. The Town opened at $37 million, finished at 154 Argo opened at 44 finished at 232 Both of those are very are their drama films. I wouldn't call Air a drama. I would call it a dramatized history. Argo and the Town are dramatic films that I think are more likely to draw a bigger crowd because you're intrigued by the plot. You want to know where it goes. There was an air of mystery involved in it. Those are both fantastic movies and it doesn't surprise me they've earned more. I think if air had come out 10 years ago, pre-pandemic height of some of Ben Affleck's stardom, I think this movie probably earns a lot more. I think it, it's similar to the town hitting that 150 million mark, but I think 81 million for this movie is a really big success. I had a blast watching it. I highly recommend every everyone watch it. I will be rewatching this. I know that for a fact. There will be a day where I don't know what to do and I'm bored and I throw on air because it's what I want to watch. Um, I could rant about how much I like this movie forever. It's rare that I see a movie and I know it's an instant comfort movie and I know this will be for me. The Founder has been for years. I think I've watched that five or six times because I love those dramatized histories. The Big Short is one of my favorite movies because of that same reason. So Air has entered that pantheon of dramatized histories that I continuously rewatch without a doubt. I'm so excited to see where this lands on a streamer, hopefully soon. Okay. Okay, so where I recorded five movie reviews in part one, I only have three today because this third movie is something that is going to take a lot of time to talk about. And I'm actually going to forego a one-minute review because I, I don't think I can accurately talk about it in one minute. I'll touch on ideas, but it won't be an accurate representation of anything. Bo is Afraid, the most recent release from A24, starring Joaquin Phoenix as Bo Wasserman, written and directed by Ari Aster. Ari Aster. Um, this movie is getting an 8.10 out of... 8.10. Mumbling, bumbling all over the place today. Bo is Afraid is going to get an 8.2 out of 10 for me. This movie is more so a piece of art shown to you through film rather than a story being told to you through film. It's very worth seeing in theaters despite the fact that it's getting low financial returns and low attendance means it won't have a lot of show times, but it is without a doubt, no question, hands down, the strangest movie I have personally ever seen. Um, But it does it in a way that really makes you think and be introspective. It's Multiple times throughout the movie, it was clear myself and others in the theater were questioning, where is this movie going? 
I don't understand the point of it. I don't understand the plot. Is there even a plot? And I think that's kind of the intent of it. It's three hours long. Despite it being three hours, the end almost arrives suddenly and it leaves your mind racing as you look back at the story that was just told and think, what happened here? What was the point of this? What is this story really? And it really leaves you thinking. Um, Like I said, a piece of art rather than a story. It's, in my view, this movie is a, on a smaller scale, it's a representation of how society sees and judges those with mental health issues and psychiatric patients and more. But even on a larger scale, it's a symbolic representation of how society sees and judges everything around us. Um, And it's the movie ends, Bo goes through all these events and the movie ends with Bo literally being judged in front of a giant crowd. And it's pretty clear the prosecution, so to say, uh, views Bo as guilty. Bo doesn't get a chance to give his defense. He is drowned out by the other noise and the shouts around him and he is judged as guilty despite not getting his chance to defend himself. And I think that's actually a perfect representation for this film specifically in that those who have seen it and haven't are talking about this movie. They're saying how it's absurd, it's over the top, it's ridiculous, it's too much, three hours is too much time. You're not paying attention enough to the movie and listening to its defense of itself. Rather, you're getting all these outside voices from around you telling you what to think about it, and you're judging it based on that. You're not seeing it from Bo's perspective. You're not seeing this movie from Ari Aster's perspective. You're just deciding what you think on it. And I think that's a great theme in society. Not a great theme, but a great representation of the theme in society of a whole of we all formulate our opinions and judge something before we think of the other side of it. If someone takes an action that is hurtful to you, in not a physical sense, but an emotional sense, or you perceive as rude or disingenuine, whatever it may be, are you immediately seeing the action deciding, this is wrong, I dislike this, and judging it guilty, so to say? Or are you taking the time to say, what caused this action from their point of view? How can I, let me step into their shoes and see what the decision-making process may have been, what led to this action, and see was it meant to be harmful to me or is it an action taken independent of my feelings that there was an unintended consequence of hurting me? And it's, I, I think it's, I mean, look, I'm ranting about consequences and actions and judgments based on a three-hour movie that was the, like I said, weirdest movie I've ever seen. And I I think it's really intriguing that the movie's able to bring this out of me. I I think it, it those that watch it and get this out of it should think about that as well. I this happened to me in my life where I had a boss who he made a joke that I didn't like. It felt insulting to me and I was upset about it for days. And the next time I saw him, I was very short with him. And finally, after an hour of him being in the store, he pulled me aside to ask what was wrong. And I said, 
okay, I'll level with you. You made this comment about how, like, I thought I was working a lot. I think I had gone 10 straight days without a day off and my days off were coming up and I had made a complaint to him and he's like, oh, you're not working hard. That's not working hard. His intent there had been to make a joke to lighten the situation and make me feel better about it and acknowledge that I had been working hard. When in actuality, what I saw was him uh, putting down what I thought was my really strong work ethic with a joke. I knew it was a joke, but I was like, okay, that's disingenuine to what I feel and the actions I've been putting in and the effort I've been putting in. And when we talked about it, I heard his side of the story and his intent. And it's the perfect example that I think this movie is trying to show that I saw this action and I judged it before I knew it, before I even took the chance to look at his point of view and say, okay, why did you say this? What was your intent? I thought it was just meant to be a joke to belittle me when in reality it was meant to be a joke to validate me and confirm what I felt. So I I can't say enough good things about Bo's Afraid. Um, my friend that I saw it with, uh, immediately after the movie, he stood up and said that was a 2.5 out of 10. 10 minutes later, while we were driving our separate ways, I started getting texts from him about how he was thinking about the movie more and more and he noticed the representation on mental health and psychiatric patients and how the movie was kind of representative of judgment in society as a whole. Very intriguing in my opinion. I I really liked it. 8.2 out of 10 might be low. At some point I'm going to have to rewatch this movie and I wouldn't be surprised to see it bump into the high 8s, low 9s. Joaquin Phoenix as Bo Wasserman was incredible. Uh, Absolutely loved him. Weird performance. Uh, He's continuing that string after Joker. He just keeps being weird and that's fine by me. I think he excels in those weird roles. Um, I think I mentioned this briefly earlier on in my review for this film. It's not doing great financially. It opened at $320,000 its first weekend. It's at $8 million on its worldwide gross so far. Comparatively to a lot of other movies, that is not good. But I really believe this movie has the chance to have long legs and to just be one of those strange artistic films that stays in theaters for a while. And let's look at some recent A24 movies to kind of gauge where this might end up. So the massive success from A24, everything, everywhere, all at once, multiple Oscar winner, critically acclaimed, fantastic movie, that opened at only $501,000. Slowly but surely, it started developing this really almost cult-like following of people saying, this movie is great, you need to go watch it. And more and more people started seeing it and liking it and enjoying it, and it finished at $140 million. That's a jump. That is a massive jump in earnings. And while I don't think Bo's Afraid will get near that, I think a really good comp where Bo's Afraid could end up and be a financial success and a critical success is that of The Whale. The Whale opened at $332,000 and finished at $53 million. The return of Brendan Fraser was a massive driving force behind this. Um, instantly, before the movie is out, people are talking about Brendan Fraser putting in the performance of a lifetime, being on track to win an Academy Award, which he would end up doing. 
I really believe Bo is afraid has a chance to follow that whale path where eight million isn't success. I think eight million and the amount of money they spent on this film from A twenty four is more a telling Ari Aster make the movie you want to make, come back to us for your next good movie, your Midsommar, your Hereditary, the big hit. This is your piece of art. This is what you want to do. And then we're going to work together for what we think is best for our studio and to be a success. I think this movie can still be a success. I think it could get really good critical reviews and word of mouth and people will start to like it and enjoy it more and more and more. And suddenly we're three months down the road. The movie's getting an extended release when there's a lull in theaters like happened to everything everywhere all at once. That got a second release because people wanted to see it and it actually performed better and got critically acclaimed. I think Bo can go that route and make more money. And I hope it does. I've gone on so many tangents in this review because this movie really just makes you think. It really does. I think most people should watch it um, and watch it with an open mind. Watch it knowing you might not know where this movie is going for the entirety of three hours and that's fine. You have to sit there and accept it is what it is. I'm going to pay attention to the plot and the themes. I'm going to try to follow whatever this ridiculous story is. I'm going to fail, but that's fine. After the movie's over, look back at it. Look back at those themes and plot devices and decide what those mean to you because I think it's a very introspective movie. And that's my review for Bo's Afraid. I so many tangents, like I said, eight point two out of ten. I the more I think about that movie and the more I talk about it, the more I seem to like it. I, I thought it was very quality and deep and meaningful, and that's that's what I hope to get out of every movie. But it's never what I ask for. That's what I got out of this movie. So, and that's my last review for part two of the recent movies I've seen. Um, that's. Eight movies across two episodes I've reviewed now. Uh, Sisu, Air, and Bo's Afraid on this episode part two here. I'm having a blast seeing all these movies. I hope to see three to four movies in the next two weeks. I'm, if I'm lucky, maybe I'll cap out at another eight movies in May. We'll see. Um, I finally got around to watching All Quiet on the Western Front. So I think in my next episode, I'll spend some time talking about that. I'd like to give you a box office update as we're approaching the midway point in the year. So let's see where things have finished out and what's going to be the big box office winners the rest of the year and what might be the flops. Um, Yeah, I'm loving talking about movies and I hope you're loving hearing me talk about movies. Lately, despite the fact that I hadn't posted an episode for a month, lately I've been getting a lot of people talking to me about movies more. I'm becoming the movie guy around the people I know, and I love that. It's I can talk about any movie for any amount of time, and I'll enjoy it. And I encourage anyone that listens to this and is curious about a movie, maybe one you've wanted to watch for years but never got around to, or one coming out or that is out, should it, you see it, is it worth seeing? Ask me directly because while on the podcast, I might say you should watch this movie at home. If you reach out to me and you say, what do you think of this? Should I see it? I'll probably tell you to see it in theaters and I'll give you specific reasons why. I'm always an advocate for seeing the movies in theaters. I think that's how movies are intended to be watched. watched, Not because of the sound or the big screen, but because of your intention. Steven Spielberg said it. No, James Cameron said it, that 
it's when you go to the theater, it's an agreement between you and the movie that you're giving it your full attention. I love movies, but when I'm at home, there's times watching a movie, I still pull out my phone and I miss something on screen that isn't said. It's something you have to see. I think movies do a great job of show, don't tell. You can't see what they're showing you if you're looking at your phone. Versus with TV shows, I think TV shows do a lot of telling. You could be on your phone and hear what they're saying and you're not missing it. So yeah, once again, my full episodes now are only on Spotify, the Sidekick Critic Podcast. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram to get clips and stories of what I'm seeing, when I'm recording, when a new episode is out and all of that. I'm having a blast talking about movies. I hope you come to talk to me about movies and I'll see you next time for the next episode of the Sidekick Critic Podcast. Mm -hmm.